What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Passionate DJ Podcast. I'm your host, David Michael, and this is episode 197. And um, like many other shows, this is going to be a solo show. There won't be any guests or co-hosts or an audience uh, like most or many of you. Um, I'm on a sort of a soft lockdown situation or a self-quarantine for the COVID-19 or coronavirus. Uh, luckily, nobody that I know personally has really been affected by this yet, but uh, we are sort of, you know, taking the precautions that uh, our governor has set out for us. And, uh, you know, a lot of things are closed down and uh, there's not a lot to do even if we wanted to. So uh, this is going to be uh, an interesting uh some, I don't know, weeks, months, not really sure yet. Uh, we're not going to spend the whole episode talking about that. I'm sure that you're getting plenty of that information by now. And uh, honestly, you know, by the time that you hear this podcast episode, uh, the information is going to be somewhat out of date just uh, by the nature of it not being live and up to date uh, right when it's happening. So we are going to talk a little bit about the effect the coronavirus is having uh, or is potentially going to have on the uh, industry as far as the uh, uh, festivals and the club in industry and uh, the the music scene at, at large certainly that uh, as we kind of head towards the spring and summer months of the year um, all these places are <laughs> shutting down and uh, you know a lot of places are saying you know it started you shouldn't have gatherings more than 100 people and then it was 50 people and now it's uh, at the time I record this the latest we heard was 10 people uh, so they're really just saying, uh, you know, stay home as much as you can. And so uh, festivals and clubs really work counter to that advice. And so uh, many places have shut down uh, for the season or postponed, uh, whether that's uh, temporary, uh, you know, you know, postponed till, you know, the fall or something like that, or just until next year. Uh, so we will uh, talk about that here in our first segment just uh, briefly. We'll talk about the effect it's having on the industry this year in 2020. And uh, the rest of this episode is just going to be a sort of uh, news episode like we do, you know, every uh, few months or so where we catch up on the latest news headlines. So uh, this is springing forward, but, you know, much of this news is coming from the past, maybe a month or two, uh, sort of in the DJ industry or uh, the, the music industry at large. So we're going to approach this from a couple of different angles here, and I hope you enjoy this episode of the Passionate DJ Podcast. And so uh, without further ado, let's talk about the coronavirus and festival and club season. As we are all dealing with the sudden realities of COVID-19, during the home stretch of winter, it's already having an impact on festival season, and pubs and clubs the world over are closing their doors. Now, first off, let me start here. This outbreak and the panic surrounding it affects people all over the world. Many are out of work, important essentials can't be found on supermarket shelves, and loads of small businesses are about to be tested for their resilience let alone all the people who are actually sick, or worse, from contracting the virus. Now, it may seem a little weird that I've decided to focus on festivals and clubs. After all, in the grand scheme of things, one's ability to party isn't exactly the top of the list of emergencies. But I'm sure you're all aware of the general state of things, so there's no reason for me to restate all of that here. By the time I'm able to record and produce this segment, you'll probably already have been more up to date and have better information on the virus and its overall impact in your area. So being that this is Passionate DJ, this is the unique perspective that we can offer on the subject. 
so hence that's the angle we're using. By the way, side note, you should definitely not be following a DJ brand to get up-to-date information on an active pandemic. Please visit cdc.gov for that. So with all that said, let's talk about the state of the dance music scene this year. Now here's a list of some of the major names which have either decided or been forced to opt out of their event. Ultra in Miami. This is the first time that that festival hasn't taken place since it first started in 1999. Also, all the pool parties set to take place on Miami's South Beach are canceled until further notice. Also, Ultra in Abu Dhabi. Tomorrowland Winter in France, canceled. Beat Hotel Morocco, canceled. South by Southwest 2020 in Austin, Texas this is the first time that it has closed in 34 years. They say they don't, uh, do not have the insurance to cover an outbreak of communicable disease such as this. Get Lost Miami, this is a 24-hour part, uh, party that happens every year. They were scheduled to have their 15-year anniversary canceled. Coachella has been postponed until October. Berlin's Berghain canceled all events until April 20th. That includes Panorama Bar. Psst, you weren't getting in anyway. Don't worry. Now, shortly after, other Berlin clubs shut their doors until the end of April. Clubs like Tresor and OHM. The Ableton Loop Conference was supposed to return to Berlin. They canceled until 2021. Time Warp 2020 in City of Mannheim. Charlotte DeWitt and Emily Lenz were both supposed to play that one. In Belgium, Rampage postponed until September. Snow bombing was canceled outright. Defected Records canceled all of their future events until further notice. Deja Voom, that's Bass Nectar's festival. It was supposed to run from March 25th to 28th. That was canceled. London's The Cause nightclub, they issued a statement uh, that they were both closing the nightclub and uh, that they wanted to say the industry is taking a big hit at the moment. Uh, so please be gentle and thoughtful about refunds. And then the Elevations Festival by Anjuna Beats, that was supposed to happen in France, but that has also been canceled. Now this list continues to grow. I'm sure there will be more cancellations by the time you hear this. Now it remains to be seen how much of an impact this will all have on the industry as a whole. Here in the States, it looks like we won't really have a music or festival season until the fall, if we're lucky. But there's also bound to be a huge economic hit and who knows how it will endanger the future of some brands and events, especially those that are not big enough to survive such an unexpected turn of events. In a press conference on March 16th, the UK government urged the entire population to avoid pubs, clubs, and theaters for 14 weeks. Now, Needless to say, it'll be difficult for smaller outfits to operate under such conditions. I'm sure all of your social media feeds look a lot like mine, you know, lots of pleas for you to support local businesses in this time of need. And this constant barrage of requests is quite sobering indeed. Now, techno DJ and producer Dave Clark went so far as to get on his social media and urge artists with canceled gigs to send their fees back to the promoters. His post from Facebook reads, Those of you that are having gig cancellations because of this virus, please send the fees back to the promoters. It enables them to refund the fans and helps everyone survive to get through this very long hardship. Those of you who like some big corporations that do not pay tax, be aware that your selfishness also harms local health services. 
So while we're not yet sure what this means for club goers and festival lovers in 2020, it is true that drinking overpriced beer and dancing in neon fur for three days is low on the list of priorities to worry about. But consider this. Many of us are either participating in self-quarantine or are under some sort of soft lockdown as businesses, schools, and offices close all around us. It looks like we're going to be homebodies for a while. Now, hopefully it'll keep us safe from the virus, but the cabin fever will be real. Whenever the smoke clears, there are going to be a lot of people ready to get back into the world, put their hands in the air, and share in the love of music together. Now in the meantime, set up your camera, engage in a live stream, and keep on spinning. Just uh, remember to wash your hands before and after. Here's the latest news from Pioneer DJ. The XDJ XZ, which is the company's flagship standalone DJ system slash controller, had a firmware update on March 10th. Now this update comes with a feature that I announced in our XDJ XZ versus Denon Prime 4 video back in November, and that is support for Serato DJ Pro. I'll put a link to that video in the description. But yes, that's right. You can now use your fancy, heavy, expensive, standalone DJ system as a DJ controller for Serato. Now, why would I want to do that, you ask? After all, the main selling point of this thing is the ability to leave the laptop at home. Well, for starters, it allows you to mix on four decks, whereas you can only mix in two channels on the unit itself. Plus, you could use Serato DVS with timecode records or... Maybe you're just a multi-platform user like me who has several kinds of DJ libraries floating around for some reason. Hey, why not? The more the merrier, that's what I have to say. The XDJ XZ is, according to Pioneer, a professional all-in-one DJ system that's perfect for events, a bar or club, or your private studio. Now, wherever you take it, the XDJ XZ gives you all the features you need to get the job done. This four-channel system features a professional layout, so you'll feel exactly like you're using our club standard NXS2 setup. And thanks to flexible media support, you can choose from a variety of ways to perform. Superior club-ready sound and a host of advanced features are at your fingertips at all times with a sturdily built single unit. Now, other enhancements that come along with this firmware update include the ability to play lossless FLAC files, a feature which lets you quickly switch the control deck from performance mode by double tapping shift and just a couple of other minor bug fixes. Now by the way the XZ also now has full virtual DJ 2020 support and it's not your basic MIDI implementation. The feature set actually includes the full waveforms on the screen, the jog displays with waveforms and album art and all that stuff, full four deck support, access to the audio interface, it really is truly integrated with a controller in a proper way. Now, considering that other brands are adopting this philosophy of more freedom and access rather than less, it's probably wise of Pioneer DJ to continue breathing life into the existing product lines. Now, speaking of which, in other Pioneer news, it was announced on March 12th that finally, at long last, the Mark II revision of the XDJ-1000, as well as the XDJ-700, will now finally support Traktor Pro 3. This includes USB HID control with proper scratching, tempo adjustment, and responsiveness. So uh, the decks will also display track titles, artwork, and other information from the software so that you can quickly select your next track without staring at your laptop. 
Now you'll also be able to use the players as audio interfaces uh, thanks to the XDJ's built-in sound card. But all of these hardware and software enhancements aren't the only reason that Pioneer DJ has been in the news recently. Oh no. The other reason is that Pioneer DJ as a company has been sold yet again. Owners KKR sold to the Japanese company Noritsu for $606 million. Now, of course, Pioneer DJ states, Our business, operations, brands, including brand names, will not be affected. We will continue contributing to the music industry with our innovative products and superior service through Pioneer DJ, Rekordbox, Kuvo, Torres, and professional Pioneer audio brands. Of course, when it comes to a company with about 60% market share in the DJing industry, it'll certainly be interesting to see what ripples and impacts are felt elsewhere. And now the latest software news for DJs. Good news for users of Denon's Engine Prime software, especially Mac users. As of version 1.3.4, the app is officially Catalina compatible, so if you've updated to the latest version of macOS, you should be covered. Now just as with any other major OS update, many DJs have been sort of hesitant to update to Catalina for fear that it'll mess up their music libraries or that their DJ software will just stop working. And perhaps rightfully so, I've been bitten by this before. I performed an OS update on a laptop which my gig on that evening relied on, and I learned that lesson really quick. Never make a major change before a gig. I was left with a library I couldn't access. If you've ever had a similar experience, please share it in the comments. Anyway, they've also brought support for the Apple Music app, that is the artist formerly known as iTunes. If you use that to maintain your digital music library, that integration is now supported. And the same can be said of Tractor Pro. As of the 3.3.0 release, comprehensive iTunes integration is featured, but they also made several other additions, such as plug-and-play integration of the XDJ1000 Mark II and XDJ700, support of that new Pioneer DJM V10 mixer, uh, that we just produced a video of not too long ago, including automatic configuration of the inputs and outputs, and uh, custom overmapping of the Control S3. They also made several bug fixes, including a volume problem where your headroom setting wasn't properly applied to the preview deck, um, a problem where scratch-controlled decks would lose sync, and uh, a lot of other bug fixes. Now moving over to streaming news, SoundCloud announced last month that it received a $75 million investment from SiriusXM. If you've been following Passionate DJ for a while, you've heard us talk many times about SoundCloud's struggles over the past few years. But the brand actually saw a strong performance in 2019, with revenue turning over $200 million. Now that's in contrast to 2018, which brought in about half that. Now Carrie Trainer, the SoundCloud CEO, says, We have an exciting roadmap focused on deepening the connections between creators and listeners that fuel creator discovery career growth, and the evolution of music culture. The company says that this new investment will accelerate its product development and enhance its services. Now as it turns out, SoundCloud merged their advertising relationship in some way with Pandora, which also happens to be owned by SiriusXM. Now as it turns out, this was the right move for the company, as they saw SoundCloud's ad revenue grow by over 37%. That being said, we aim our final sights on Spotify. 
The streaming giant is now enabling a sort of pay-to-play scheme, which involves record labels and artists giving money to advertise their songs within its app. This is a complicated move for the company, which is already kind of having wider talks over long-term music rights within record companies. According to the original report posted by Bloomberg, Spotify is, quote, under pressure from investors to boost advertising sales and prove that it can turn a profit. While Spotify's main streaming business generated $6.1 billion in sales last year, the company loses money because most of its revenue goes right back into the music industry in the form of royalties. Boosting ad sales has been a struggle. Spotify has more than 270 million total users, but its advertising business trails competitors of similar size. The company generated just $678 million in such revenue last year, which is less than what Twitter Inc. takes in every quarter. For our next item of news, I want to talk about the Apollo Masters fire. Now, vinyl as a music format has been seeing a resurgence for 10 or 15 years now. In today's digital world of music streaming and convenience, there's been a rekindling of this desire to physically own and interact with our music. Though records are popular as ever, the industry didn't exactly evolve with this resurgence in mind. Despite its comeback, there are several rather weak links when it comes to the vinyl industry as a whole, and nothing has put this on display more than the catastrophic fire at Apollo Masters last month. This is a day that everyone in the vinyl manufacturing industry has feared for years. Apollo Masters Corp. was one of only two places in the entire world, the other being in Japan, that produces the lacquer discs used in the process of creating records. After three hours of burning and the work of 82 firefighters, the flames were eventually subdued, but not after burning down a crucial piece of the physical music industry. Now, thankfully, nobody was harmed. But this could spell bad news for the vinyl format. You see, the creation process begins with a certain kind of aluminum plate covered in lacquer. Now that lacquer is soft enough to be cut, so when it gets shipped to the cutters, the audio grooves are sort of carved into that lacquer coating. That gets used to make the master, which is a plate which all the pressing plants will use to make the actual vinyl discs. But Apollo was responsible for like 80% of these lacquer plates for the entire world. This leaves only one remaining factory capable of doing this. That means only one point of failure for the world's supply of wax. People in the industry have long worried about having all their eggs in one basket, and this disaster shows precisely why. This means there's a good chance that pressing plants will start closing. Current production schedules have been completely displaced, and it's still unclear how the move will affect MDC, which is the remaining plant in Japan. There is a potential short-term solution, though it's a controversial one. There's another way of creating these masters called DMM, and that stands for Direct Metal Mastering. Now, using a rare type of cutting head, the audio grooves actually get cut into copper instead of lacquer. However, this technique has its own drawbacks. Many plants don't currently meet the strict standards required to produce such masters. And some people say it produces brighter sounding records with more high frequency content, and this may or may not be desirable. This can also negatively affect North American pressing businesses because most of these DMM plants are in Europe, and they could start fulfilling orders right now. 
that would shift much of this business overseas. And then there's the fact that this plant existed in California. Rebuilding a factory involving chemical processes to make vinyl records would be very difficult today because of the strict environmental requirements that the notoriously picky state would impose. It was likely grandfathered in on things that would be nearly impossible to get away with in Cali. So yeah, don't panic, vinyl production isn't suddenly going to stop, but this does cause ripples throughout the industry and it draws a big circle around an obvious vulnerability. Now surely the gears are already turning with smart people coming up with clever solutions to this problem. Post in the comments about what technology will save the future of vinyl. Is it DMM? Maybe it's something like 3D printing or some new technology we've yet to see. Well, one thing is for certain, we should continue to buy vinyl if we want vinyl to keep on spinning. Andy King is going on tour. Former Fire Festival producer and H2O aficionado, Andy King is taking his story on the road, going on a speaking tour in the UK beginning in April, or at least that was the plan up until current events. Now you may remember Andy from his rise to fame after being featured in the Netflix documentary, Fire, the greatest party that never happened. Now that film had a particularly noteworthy moment where Andy recounted how he was willing to do whatever it takes to make sure that the show went on. Customs was holding on to a critical shipment of bottled water and, well, let's just say that arrangements were made. Now his plan was to hit the road and talk about his experience in what he's calling the Taking One for the Team speaker tour. We recounted Andy's story in episode 172 of the Passionate DJ podcast. Here's a quick recap, which I've partially censored here, but if you'd like to hear the full unredacted story, you can visit passionatedj.com slash 172. Should we, should we finish telling the story about the water? No, Jesus. <laughs> sure. No, 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 no. <laughs> so, okay, so everybody arrives. They get to the, the area, you know, where the festival is supposed to take place. And they're full, mind you, they're being driven there on school buses yellow school buses they get to the the site and they see essentially a fema camp water was ordered the water arrived that had not been paid for it had not been paid for and was uh stuck in customs. customs yeah yeah so my my only question on this before we go any further is how did they know that would work like how did, <laughs> I wondered that too. How did that how did that become a topic of they conversation? They already had to deal with customs how many times to get stuff there so they probably knew dude was down with that, that down. Okay, yeah. so uh, so um they had done research. Yeah, so um I, I forget the guy's name or Andy. even what his uh, what his and his capacity was the event coordinator. Event coordinator. So yeah. um producer. Right. So um Billy calls him and says we need you to take one for the team. And go down there and fuck uh, the customs officials to get the water out. And I was like, yeah. that alone—that's total douchebag move. I mean, that—that's uh, putting anybody in that kind of a situation. Not only is that exploitive, it's terrible. Like, yeah. it, like that. Right now, now right. Tony, yeah. Tony has asked me to do some things hey. when I worked for him at festivals. <laughs> you know, he's asked me to, to squeegee a stage. He's never asked me to perform a sexual act on anybody. And, and I thank you for that. Um, <laughs> Ten sack of White Castle, yes. though? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> oh, when you said tan sack, that's not where I thought you were going. <laughs> nice. But just for someone to have the audacity to... Right. Not just to... Add, and, and that's like... So, yeah. Like, that's exactly what totally I was like. devalued. Right. You know... He didn't ask. He said, I'm going to need you to. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> and, and so, like... But... And so, all of that is already up here at the forefront of my mind. I mean, because that's the shock factor, right? Mm-hmm. Like, who the f- are you and who like like how did that even become a solution to the problem Mm -hmm. and i and 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 they don't ever go into that but like i was just like you know just it like that's the level of upness that this whole thing was at that's a word yeah and the thing that that really struck me was guy was gonna do it right yeah i mean he was like i went home i took a shower i, I, I brushed, my teeth. brushed my teeth yeah. and i went down and met this guy and luckily it didn't work out that way right when all was said and done andy king actually signed on with the evian water brand for a sponsored campaign the company even went so far as to print custom bottles displaying the slogan so good you'd do anything for it now, as far as the shows on Andy's new tour, cleverly dubbed Fireside Chats, he'll of course be covering his involvement with Fire Festival, but apparently he also wants to talk about how to take viral moments like these and turn them into positive change. For example, at his website andykingevents.com, it says this, We assess and create more innovative supply chains, vendor partnerships, waste systems, food sourcing, carbon footprints, transportation options, and healthier products to ensure a maximum social and environmental impact. We then use data to measure the impact and bring that data to life through storytelling. Now, whether Andy King is an agent for positive change or a serial opportunist is up for you to decide. But either way, if you want to hear the story straight from the horse's mouth, he's giving you the perfect opportunity. Boston-based video game development company Harmonix, famous for their music video games such as Guitar Hero, announced that it will be releasing a new DJ-based game called Fuser. Now, it's planned for release later this year, and if you follow this channel at all, you know that I'm a big gamer as well as a DJ. Putting this segment together was, to say the least, a no-brainer. So the game seems to be based on the concept of their earlier game called Drop Mix, which actually used physical cards with near-field communication technology and an electronic game board. Now, Fuser, however, will be coming to Microsoft Windows, Nintendo Switch, PS4, and Xbox One. And in Fuser, you're put in the position of being a DJ at a large-scale concert. Now, at your virtual booth, you'll see four players, which are shall we say, inspired by Pioneer CDJs. Now at the top of the screen is your crate, or your selectable records. And when you drop a record into a deck, what actually happens is more like adding an individual stem or instrument to your mix. For example, maybe you'll drop the lyrics to 50 Cent's In The Club over the beat to Stir Fry by Migos. Now, there's not really a concept of beat matching or key mixing that you really have to worry about here. That's all pretty much taken care of by either the software or by careful curation of the tracks. And at launch, over 100 licensed songs are supposed to ship with the game, though as of the making of this episode, only 16 have been announced. They're all pretty much heavy hitters like Fatboy Slim's The Rockefeller Skank or Post Malone's Better Now. 
And based on what I've seen so far, it looks like there are some rhythm and timing elements that play a role in the game. For example, dropping your record precisely on beat. There's also a mechanic which requires you to pay attention to requests from the crowd. If someone says, hey, can we hear more stuff from the 2010s? You can use that as your giant crowd reading clue and change up the music. Now this leads to a happier dance floor and a higher score. Another mode seems to involve reacting to different challenges that appear on the screen and then needing to give appropriate musical response within a certain time frame. Now Harmonix has announced that there will be a campaign mode, a freestyle play mode where you can just be creative with your mix and play with custom effects, and even a multiplayer mode where you can compete or collaborate with other people around the world. As far as licensing, they've assured that the rights for these songs not only include the ability to mix with the other songs, but for users to share these songs and mixes to social media. So yeah, as far as DJ games go, it's a fairly unique approach. It's a little different than something like DJ Hero, which uses an actual hardware controller, and is more of a reaction or dexterity-based game. Fuser seems more interested in stuff like reacting to the crowd, uh, the psychology of the dance floor, and just making cool mashups happen without too much effort. Though some early feedback has sounded something like, yeah, this is a neat way to relax, but is there really a game here? Of course, this is still a game in development, so who knows what kind of new features or game types that Harmonix has in mind. Yeah, on one hand, it feels a little bit more like a tech demo than a game, or maybe like one of those old console-based music maker programs, but at the same time, Guitar Hero is a lot of fun. And just as is the case with that game, this won't involve real DJing, but it doesn't have to. The question will ultimately come down to, is it fun? And as far as fun games, they do have a history here. Now maybe they'll release a playable demo so we can stream it live to YouTube and share our own reactions firsthand. Anyway, have you played any of the other DJ-based video games like DJ Hero, Drop Mix, or something else? Do you find them to be any good? Would you be interested in this approach to a DJ game? Let us know your thoughts in the comments. Starting a few weeks ago, digital download and streaming site Beatport expanded on its techno categories, splitting the entire genre into two distinct parts. Techno, peak time driving and hard, and techno, raw, deep, or hypnotic. Now this may be a sign of the times, both the main stage festival sound, as well as the more underground style of techno, continues to thrive. Now according to Beatport, some labels which release more niche styles of techno kind of struggle to be represented in their store, which leads to their desire to refine this categorization. Now, having the two styles split off independently means that each will have its own sales and artist charts. Now, Beatport put together two playlists to highlight the distinction between these two styles. So let's go ahead and listen to some examples. We'll start with the raw deep hypnotic playlist. That's apparently the one that represents some more quote underground sounds. And there's a lot to explore here, but right off the bat, I actually noticed a lot of industrial or EBM sounding tracks, which I found rather interesting. For example, Grida y Chaos by BSK.
There's also this distortion-laden track, Pedal to the Metal, by Ansem. It's almost like Fear Factory making underground techno. Here's another example by Phase Fatale called Blinding by Oath, clocking in at 110 BPM. This one has a bit more of a Trent Reznor aesthetic. Not everything on the list is so in your face. I also found a strong representation of dub techno. Perhaps a little strange to group it with the tracks we listened to previously, but here it is. This is Stoka by Malangini and Yalesa Hall. And another example, Sunny Park Chill by STL. A rather relaxing affair with an interesting field recording layer sprinkled on top.
and a little darker, but still sounding a lot like dub techno, we have this example, Drift by Forest Drive West. Speaking of darker sounds, there were actually a few tracks on here that reminded me of that classic dark progressive house sound. Think of bedrock, huge tunes, or maybe mystique music type of feeling. Here's Invocation by Feral. And this is Satire by Luigi Tozzi. A pretty subtle track, but would make a great layer in a DJ set. I also found it interesting to hear this random electro track in here, Paranoid Android by Electrolab. I'm not exactly sure what this sound has to do with anything else in here, but electro is listed as a subgenre in this section, so here it is. And it's a fun little piece of broken beats. Okay, so what about the peak time, driving, hard playlist? How does it compare to the stuff that it was cordoned off from? Well, indeed, there may be more songs in this section geared towards the festival and maybe borderline EDM crowd. A little more defined structure, some more focus on the drop, but overall, with a techno underpinning. 
Now, for example, here's The House of House by Cherry Moon Tracks. This is the Thomas Schumacher remix. Here's Last Step by Ramon Tapia. CP1 by Love Generator might have a bit more of a house influence. That one started to get a little ravey with those vocals. Actually, I noticed a few different rave-inspired sounds in this playlist. For example, the Charlotte DeWitt remix of Space Raiders by Eats Everything has some sounds that'll bring you back. How about this little bit of borderline classic trance music? Dreams by Quench. This is the Umek remix.
there was a strong representation of what I would just call hard techno, you know, banging fast four to the floor beats at like 140 BPM. In the playlist, it was shown in the form of tracks like Frequenzen by Black System. Or this other hard techno track, Anomalia by Reneo. Here's both one of the hardest and also one of the most undergroundy tracks that I've heard yet. I certainly wouldn't call this normal EDM or festival music. But anyway, this is Dialogue by Tolax at 142 BPM. The strongest flavor that I detected in the Peak Time playlist may have actually been Acid Techno. There's loads of 303 sounds in here. Check out No Tech by ASYS. Another example, this is Generation by, of all people, Jay Lumen.
This Dominic Schwartz track called Dark Light is also full of acidy goodness. bound to get a little bit of drum code action in here. This is Feist, a particularly crunchy acid techno track by Thomas Schumacher. As you can hear, there is some stuff on here that is full festival fodder, especially when playing the right show. Being from the Midwest United States, I happen to picture a lot of these tracks being played at various stages at Movement in Detroit. The track that's playing right now may work for the main stage, but some stuff on the other playlist may be more appropriate for the underground stage or something on the side. But then again, there are some songs on here which really straddle the line. For example, the song Absolute Warper by Second Phase is on the Peak Time playlist, and while it's a very big-sounding Peak Time techno track, it's also very minimalist and, well, definitely not mainstream. There you have it. I'll put links in the description if you'd like to check out the rest of these tracks. And if you happen to be a techno DJ and you like anything that you've heard today, be sure to add them to cart and support the artists.
All right, I think it's about time to wrap it up, but I did want to read one last story to wrap up today. Uh, Kind of a funny story. This comes from Trilvo.com, and the headline is, Man Climbs Through Air Ducts to Get Into Sold Out Liquid Stranger Show. This was at the beginning of March, and it goes like this. Things got a little strange at the sold-out Houston stop of the Liquid Stranger Ascension Tour last night. About midway through the night, there was quite the curious commotion in the commodes. A man was seen falling through the ceiling of the venue in the restrooms. He then nonchalantly proceeded to wash his hands, then calmly disappear into the night inside the venue to the wompy wubs of Stranger. And when venue staff with Virtuoso's Entertainment was notified, they simply said, well, if he went through all that trouble to see the show, you gotta let him stay in. So this guy snuck into the show, threw the air ducts, fell in, calmly washed his hands and walked in, was caught, and they said, we're not even mad. You go on ahead and enjoy yourself. And uh, I don't think we're going to hear any stories like that anytime soon, so I thought that would be a good one to end the the show on today. So, folks, thank you so much for listening. I hope that you're all well. I hope that you're all staying safe. Please, please do your best to just kind of lock down right now. You know, do whatever you got to do to... Do the, get through this whole social distancing thing or whatever it is uh, the, the situation is with you at home. Uh, if you're kind of locked down or keeping to yourself like many of us are, uh, try not to go crazy. Try not to have cabin fever. Uh, definitely get on those decks. Maybe learn how to scratch if you haven't done that already or work on a particular uh, you know uh, skill or, or something that you're trying to add to your sets. Uh, maybe uh, you know investigate a new genre or a subgenre of music that you haven't incorporated in your in, into your DJ sets before. Uh, if you have a lot of idle time right now that you're not used to having, you know maybe this is a time that you could sort of invest in your craft and uh, put some creative energy into that uh, instead of just worrying about it and uh, kind of you know getting caught up in the craze and the panic and the drama of the current situation. So with all that being said, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Keep on spinning. Be safe.